What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Geek Vibes Nation and in the world, everywhere. If you're listening, you're a part of Geek Vibes Nation. You know that. <laughs> Anyways, this is your good friend Dane. We got a tremendous show of Wrestling Geeks Alliance tonight. We're going to be talking lots of stuff. You know, we're going to be uh, having conversation, conjecturing, if you will, between me and, of course, my co host, uh, Mr. Christopher Ray Patton, or as I like to call him, uh, Brother Ray. Um, how are you doing tonight, man? Man, I am doing great. It's been a long week, but I've been doing pretty good thus far. So if we can make it through the rest of it, I'll be doing even better. I feel you, man, because I've been working that overtime this week, and I got another day where I'm probably going to be working that overtime. I'm ready for Friday. I just want a cold one, and probably a night where I just watch movies and probably a lot of wrestling, because that's what it's all Dude, about, no guys. Movies. New movies, Dane. Yeah. No movies this weekend. All New Japan. All weekend. All New Japan. New Japan just takes over and crushes all the competition. So I think I'll have to get some way. Ham. Going ham what this was... weekend in Japan. So you're going to have to be well, prepared. I... <laughs> well, I'll be going turkey for that shit. I don't even need to go ham. I'm going to a different type of fucking meat. All right. Speaking of which, that's a good transition, if you will, um, for one of our first topics. Uh, by the way, like I said, lines are open. If you guys want to call in, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, uh, just don't be a dick. Just call the number at 929-477-3781. You'll be listening at that point. Press 1. It will cue you, and I'll know to take a question or jo- have you join this wonderful conversation between me and Christopher. Uh, Juwan couldn't make it. He was working late tonight. Dude, we just work too much. I think that we work too hard. Do you agree with that, Chris? Oh, man, totally agree with that. <laughs> we, we definitely work too hard. We need to talk about wrestling more and less work. Yeah, 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 you're right. Who, who wants to talk, like listen to us talk about how hard we work? No one. Let's get into fucking wrestling. All right, so I, I was uh, assessing this with uh, Chris. Chris is the one who got me into New Japan. New Japan's been blowing up. Like a motherfucker. Um, I listen to lots of different podcasts at work, uh, mostly about movies and wrestling, weird, uh, to get opinions and people that I like their perspective on things, and also for news purposes. Um, you know, you can get a lot of uh, great information of, uh, from uh, Dave Metzler and um, just, just a, a different array of, of, of people um, on the internet. So basically, with the whole New Japan thing, I was wondering is there a way? And now I'm not talking 
WCW defeating him in ratings for two years, what have you, nothing like that. But is there a way where New Japan Pro Wrestling can become a reasonable threat to the WWE within the future? And the future being sooner than later, uh, you know, if both organizations keep on going, who knows what the fuck will happen in the future. Maybe Triple H's son will fuck everything up and they'll have to go into space. I have no idea. Um, but we're talking about right now. And I'm just like, I've been thinking about this. My main focus is that I think Christian might have, um, not 100% sure, I know I've heard it out of uh, Dave's mouth and a couple other people, is that I think it was Stone Cold actually who might have been the first person saying it, that uh, J.R., it's kind of, he's becoming much more suggestive uh, with the programming uh, to much of an extent of basically giving New Japan some ideas. Now, with having JR as a commentator, that's amazing, you know, but a lot of people would think that that's just amazing by itself. No, JR is a creative mind for wrestling. Um, under Bill Watson in, in, in his original promotion before going to WCW and working under Eric Bischoff and working with Tony Schiavone, and then obviously going to WWE uh, and working underneath Vince McMahon, he's written wrestling. Uh, he's one of the main writers during the Attitude Era. Uh, just from a perspective of a creative mind like that and just giving ideas and influence, uh, JR says on his podcast very frequently that him and Vince disagree on this, but he believes that competition makes the product better. So basically, if there's competition against WWE, which is what he's referring to, it can cause competition to basically make the programs better. I mean, if you look at the Monday Night Wars, the reason why they kept on up in the ante is because they were trying to outdo each other. So having something there, I think, is important. Now, I don't think, like I said, it's going to be like a WCW-style thing. I think they have the potential to be like TNA was in the mid to late 2000s. And if it's just enough to basically put a fucking fire underneath WWE's ass creatively, um, you know, to up the ante. I don't think that that's a bad idea at all. New Japan has a lot going for it. Uh, its demographic is completely different than WWE's. WWE's is catering to what it used to be basically in the late 80s, early 90s for children up to, you know, people our age that grew up with it, uh, people in their 30s, uh, maybe even early 40s. The demographic for New Japan, for a lot of the people that, that watch it, are uh, older. Um, it's got much more of a hard-hitting UFC-like feel. Um, I mean, the dojo that a lot of these guys come out of, a lot of the pride fighters and, and MMA fighters in general, they train at the same thing. So since that awareness is becoming big in Japan and big over here, the fighting style itself, I mean, if, if you want to like think of like a common concept for over here – Think of Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe in the cage match in TNA. That type of style with a lot more kicks and strikes, obviously, from the you know strong style Japan that they already have that. So you, you mix their, their fighting style. You mix the fact that they have a creative mind like JR. You mix the fact that if they were to, like, work with Ring of Honor, say, you know, work out a deal with some other network or actually go through the one that Ring of Honor is going through, try to do it so they both have shows and they're kind of doing the Raw SmackDown thing. They don't even have to be, obviously, on Monday and Tuesday night. I'm not saying go head-to-head or anything like that. Uh, but they can work together and they can share their competition and Japan can primarily stay in Japan as long as you make it for the Japanese the way that they're doing it and then 
try to package it for an American product for us, I mean, they have a lot of infinite potential. Some of the best wrestlers are over there. And I would sign and, and keep, like, Ricochet. Let make sure. You can work out something with AAA, don't get me wrong. You can work out something with them. You can work out something with Lucha Underground. A lot of the little guys basically should, should stick together and help each other out. And they already are, technically. I mean, uh, PWG could become their NXT in a way. It doesn't have to be televised, but, like, where they're getting a lot of their – I mean, the funny thing is they're already doing this type of stuff anyways. So you get, like, a lot of great wrestlers that are not doing anything that are in the indie circuits right now, like like a Jeff Cobb, you know, um, like, a, uh, like a Matt Riddle. Um, you know, great wrestling, great wrestlers that are trying to get a break. Um, New Japan can be like, hey, we're over here. And my two other thing is, what is Daniel Bryan going to do when he's done with his contract with WWE? He'll have had a period of time. His kid will, I think, it's, I think he only has a little, a little more time. He'll definitely have his kid in more perspective. But he was cleared by many doctors, and he wants to wrestle. And he's definitely mentioned New Japan. That's a huge name to be able to grab. And with his new style that he's going for, like the primate type of thing, I think he can work it out. I mean, there's a lot of guys that if WWE doesn't work for them, they can just jump ship. I mean, it's the same thing. So, in a way, within the next couple of years, especially if the U.S. tour does well and people view it, it already sold out. I mean, if they package it right to an American audience, and having the Japanese and the American audience on at the same time, I think it could definitely take a nick into uh, WWE. Maybe, like I said, light a fire underneath their ass. Another person that a lot of people are not going to you know, mention, CM Punk. He said New Japan would be somewhere that he would go before he would go back to WWE. He doesn't want to do wrestling anymore, but I'm just saying the fact that he said that, you get some of these guys, what if, what if Finn Balor's had it up? with whatever's going on over there, you know, they're not using them correctly. Go back to New Japan. I mean, the product's blowing up in America. You're going to be just as big, you know. I, I just think, maybe I'm thinking too much, Chris. I'm about to pass to you after just reciting a Bible verse. Um, but I really think that New Japan has potential to hit WWE in the boom boom. Uh, do you agree with me? Because you're definitely more of the fan, and you probably have more details about this type of shit. The biggest thing with New Japan is the disconnect uh, from the American market as far as promos and storylines are going to go with how they book their promotion. So depending on how they do live TV, they would need to uh, focus on that uh, really hard. Maybe even, I mean, as bad as I hate to say it, even with anime, it seems like when you have English overdubs, it tends to do a little bit better, which absolutely sucks. Um, I think that if you could do it right and get full behind the Bullet Club and maybe even split into two separate chapters of New Japan to start out with, I think that would help a lot. But the biggest disconnect for me is always going to be um, the language barrier, just like it is in any sport. Um, a big thing, uh, the other big thing is right now, I don't think that JR has a ton of influence on how things are being booked in New Japan. The 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 biggest like the biggest thing as far as like TV goes, they're on access, but it's not it's not live. It's not really up to date. They're a week behind. They are doing the G1 special live um, July 1st, which will be their first live televised event. And Access is not a huge television network, uh, so 
with anything, if they could get somewhere like Spike where they're turning out shows weekly, and granted it doesn't have to be live TV, even if it's uh, recorded like Ring of Honor or a TNA, I think that would help them immensely as far as getting a big TV push. Um, the other thing is bringing in talent, like you said. I think someone like a Johnny Mundo from AAA and Jay Lethal, who they're bringing in for uh, the G1 special and uh, that U.S. title tournament, I think a lot of that stuff will really help them a long way. And, and you, you know, you hit a lot of big names. People can jump ship at any point in time. It's already been rumored that Dolph Ziggler has thought about going to New Japan after this WWE run because, I mean, he's seeing what Cody Rhodes is doing over there, and he's seeing that Cody's having fun and making just as much money off merchandise that he might as well take his shot. And that's kind of how I bred it um, from everything on the Internet. And, and that, Dolph Ziggler kind of comes off as the person that loves wrestling. And, no, I'm not the hugest Dolph Ziggler fan, but they're out there. And do I think that he could work a fucking awesome match with uh, Kushida? Yeah, I do. So... The diehard fans of WWE love NXT, and they love these big-time NXT matches. And if it can be presented in a similar way where the language barrier can be gapped and your big matches focus around large stars and maybe even to some point, some extent, bring in some guys that can be managers in the United States for some of these top heels like NATO and... um, well, NATO and even someone like a bad luck, uh, Fale, uh, where you have a little bit of a, a language gap, I think that helps immensely. And then also reintroducing tag team wrestling in a manner that it hasn't been seen in a long time with War Machine and um, the Bullet Club's tag team with Tamatanga. I can't think of uh, the other Tonga's name, so I apologize ahead of time uh, without looking it up. But just building the tag team Bobo division. Rio. Yeah, and maybe even putting back together uh, Back to the Future with Alex Shelley and Kashia if you wanted to do something cool like that. I think that's a big gap in wrestling um, where you see tag team matches on WWE, but none of them are super impressive. It's something that they could, could definitely do different. I think the key is being different and not trying to do WWE, but at the same time, you don't want to lose your audience with a language barrier. Um, JR goes a long way because I feel like he's, I don't know anyone that doesn't think Jim Ross is the greatest commentator commentator of all time. There are some older guys that are very much into, uh, you know, uh, Gorilla Monsoon. And uh, I I could see that Gorilla Monsoon was also a great announcer and and Bobby Heenan to some extent. But, I mean, to me, Jim Ross is the announcer. He's the guy you want on all of your big matches. The fact that WWE didn't bring him in for Money in the Bank and some of these larger matches that they have coming up, it's almost embarrassing. Like him announcing Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar to me would make that, it would elevate that match. Um, Absolutely. And I think he's the, is one of the only announcers that can really pull it off and elevate a match and make it that damn good. Um, so there's a lot of things New Japan has going for it. Uh, it has some of the best talent in the ring right now. Uh, people probably think that I'm just sucking New Japan off every week when we talk about matches, but I mean, that last card that they had at Dominion, just top to bottom, is better than anything WWE's produced outside of Pete Dunn uh, versus Bate. And it's, I don't, it's not just me that feels that way. I mean, it's Wade Keller, it's Dave Meltzer, it's anyone online who reviews wrestling matches and watches every show that comes on the network and every show that comes out of New Japan to the best of their ability, um, hands down, 
have said that, you know, that's the case. I mean, New Japan, as far as the matches go, they've just been kicking wholesale ass. And it's not just main events, because WWE in their own right, they do have good main event matches. They can make you care about a main event match. The Money in the Bank uh, male match was really good. Uh, some of the other matches they've had this year that were booked as big matches have been really good. The uh, God, what was the, the raw, whatever the Raw pay-per-view uh, was beforehand with the Roman Reigns spot where he speared those guys through the uh, – that was for the title shot against – Extreme Rules. the – Extreme rules. Like, I thought that match was pretty damn good considering it was like an yeah. odd number of people in a match together, all main eventers. Now, do I feel like they wasted some some matches by not separating those guys out and doing like a tournament or something? Yes, 100%. I do feel that way. But that match itself was a great match. So it's not like WWE is incapable of making good matches. It's just from low card to mid card to top card, New Japan kicks their ass and wrestling in the ring on a weekly fucking basis. And that's something WWE would have to change if New Japan could ever get the backing. Now, the big thing is the backing. With WCW, Ted Turner pulled the guns out and gave Eric Bischoff the pocketbook. And as we all know, it went well for a while, and it went up Shit's Creek. And it's just kind of funny because it's like WWE, if New Japan ever becomes popular – in America, it's going to be because of the Bullet Club, and the Bullet Club is basically the NWO, which the original concept kind of came from Japanese wrestling for the NWO. So it's like the ghost that WWE can, can't, escape, can't escape. But I think the biggest thing is, one, getting a weekly product out so that everyone is up to date. Two, convincing people that they should buy New Japan World to watch these events or get these events on an American pay-per-view for a price that's not fucking ridiculous, not a $60 price, not a $30 price, 10 to 15 bucks, the same way Ring of Honor does, where you can watch this from the comfort of your home. And the other thing is um, pushing members of the Bullet Club, which I really do think Cody Rhodes is going to walk away from, uh, from the G1 with that title belt when he goes against Okada. Simply for that reason, they're bringing in people like uh, Billy Gunn, who they feel is a big pull in America. And and like while I don't think Billy Gunn is still a huge draw, it could be a huge draw if he's wrestling against NATO hey, or if if they look it right. Be. Well, shit. I mean, look at uh, Matt uh, Bloom, dude. He was big in Japan. He's just Albert over in WWE. And you know, I know a lot of people in Japan consider him like a big badass wrestler like almost like a Brock Lesnar, if you will. I don't think the American audience has the same type of perspective. So who knows? Badass Billy Gunn might be like the one Billy Gunn. See what it is there? Sorry. Yeah. I mean, to me, the biggest thing is being different. And New Japan is different. And they're different in all the right ways and all the things that every hardcore wrestling fan likes. If you can get enough hardcore fans to tune into New Japan each week, it does become a threat for WWE because WWE since the attitude era had, even when they've had ups and downs, they've always had that hardcore audience. Like uh, the last week they fell below two and a half million viewers, which we're not going to talk about ratings because me and you will disagree to a T for the first time in forever. And yes, they were against LeBron James in the NBA playoffs, but it's not like they've never been in that spot before. Mm -hmm. They believe that they have a core group of, hardcore fans that are going to watch no matter how bad the show is. 
But if you can give them something else to watch each week with, with players like Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and, and, and this different attitude, almost like a fuck you type attitude that, that not the attitude error had because they're not, obviously they're not as dirty. Um, but it, it gives you something different. It's way different than anything that it, American wrestling's doing, even to some concept. I mean, Ring Honor is doing a little bit of it, but I mean, like TNA has proven that if you're going to, if you're going to go against the big dog, if you're going to go against the WWE, you cannot do the same thing. Eric Bischoff tried to do the same thing and it didn't work. So I think you're hundred percent right. If you can group ring of honor, um, maybe work out some stuff with triple a, maybe even bring in those titles for title matches and switch off talent between those brands. I think you have something that's different. That's something that's tangible. The biggest deal is the language gap between the top players um, Okada, Nato, um, Tanahashi, all of which who speak pretty decent English, to be fair. I've listened to interviews with them, and I, I understand what they're saying. But feeling that emotion in a promo is different because the dialect's different, and the language is different, the way you speak uh, becomes different. Um, I think that becomes your big disconnect. So if you build it in America, it literally almost becomes a straight battle for wrestling versus wrestling. So if you're putting on better matches, you'll always have viewers. I feel like hardcore viewers will watch and appreciate that because they'll hear about it on the internet and they watch it. But you've got to have something that hooks them into the live show. So you build it around the Bullet Club, which is how it's going to be built in America. Um, and that's not a bad thing to build it around. It's just can you do it week to week and can you keep it fresh and can you make sure the Bullet Club doesn't end like the NWO And to some extent, it's almost like they should switch talent back and forth and have an English show. But I don't know that they'll ever get there. Now, I could be completely wrong. I mean, subtitles in movies have gotten over, you know, year after, you know, years later. But, like, in the 50s, it was the same thing. Like, no one wants to watch this, like, French crap. So it's it's one of those weird things. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe people are completely fine with promos being subtitled or however, but I think the biggest thing is the language gap. And the second biggest thing is you can't be on access. You have to get onto a television network that most cable subscribers have, whatever that is. Um, ESPN, unfortunately, has a contract with WWE for just reporting rights, but they kind of missed the boat by not just doing what they did in the eighties, which is buy rights to wrestling and put this show out, because I think that would be bigger than anything they're getting out of the WWE ratings wise. I think it's something that you could have built with new Japan, for instance. Um, but somewhere like NB, uh, NBC sports, uh, Sportsnet, NBCSN, I believe it is. They're showing the NHL award show. They do all the NHL games. They do NASCAR. They do, you know, a ton of different stuff. I think it's a weird off enough place that you could have put that there and it, it may have worked better than it does on access. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I think access is a smaller cable network, but if they could expand that to something like spike and put on a good weekly show and make it just different enough from WWE. And if your announcers are good enough, or if you have managers or if you have something that can help bridge that gap, they definitely could become something that draws, you know, one and a half million views or, or two million views to make to make WWE take notice. Um, we'll see what happens live when they go live. I mean, they're going live in America, and if you have two million viewers watching Dominion, 
on access a small television network, or hell, probably even a million because it is a small television network, I think WWE is going to start to take notice. And my worry is they're going to start trying to snag up uh, people like Will Osprey and Rich Shea, and hopefully New Japan smart enough to notice in advance and start signing these guys to contracts that are longer than one year. Because right now, their top star, Kenny Omega, is signed to a one-year deal and could leave. And they need to rectify that. And if they need to pay him twice as much as everybody else or whatever the hell they need to do, they need to do that if they want to crack into the American market. Because I feel like that's the guy you build your company around. Um, just because of how fucking popular he is. I mean, they sell Bullet Club shirts in Hot Topic all day, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not. But these fucking guys I'm not, actually. <laughs> so if you want a Bullet Club shirt, go out to your local Hot Topic, pick one up. But that's the thing. Those are the thing, my main concerns and the things that I think it would take to get them there. Do I think it's possible? Yes. Do I think it's really hard to do? Yes, because it's it's one of those things where it's WWE has all the money, all the television licensing, most of the top tier, what would be considered top tier talent, and everybody else is kind of just playing chase. But if you can predict, put out a different enough products and maybe even not worry about the all ages and shoot for what WWE originally shot for, which is what ages 13 to 28. If you can get most of that market, then you start fucking with WWE's sales and their merch sales. And all of a sudden, you know, Seth Rollins isn't as cool because Kenny Omega's on TV and you'd much rather see him. I, I think that becomes a bigger deal. And, they could definitely make an impact. I don't think it's going to be this year. Probably won't even be next year, but if it's done right, New Japan definitely could make a huge impact in an American market. Not impact as in impact wrestling. No, I'm just kidding. Um, No, I completely agree with you. And I mean, even if, all right, for as far as how to get the product out there, maybe get with some people. I mean, they would have to be interested themselves, but like a lot of people that do, have been the ones that have put money in Strike Force or UFC. Uh, the reason why I say that is because I would actually make the product look more similar to how UFC kind of looks um, in a marketing type of way. They could sell their promos, but it would actually be more the fighters and how intense they are, which is the way that they were kind of like, you know, pushing onto the American audience. Um, that would be my idea of how to do it. And still have a program and still have stories and stuff like that, but that's kind of like the difference is because it looks more fierce. It's, it's, a, it's a different beast. Uh, could you see you see what I'm saying on that? A hundred percent. I mean, I totally agree with you. I, I, like I said, I, I, the primary thing is making it different and trying to lock down Jim Ross to an exclusive deal so he's not commenting on WWE. They, should, they shouldn't give WWE that luxury. At all, especially if they can get, like you said, something where they can get a couple other people pushing behind them. Maybe even they merge with Ring of Honor or buy Ring of Honor and get pushed by Sinclair Broadcasting, who's going to have the bigger market. But I think the big thing is make Jim Ross the voice of your company as long as you can. It works for WWE. It burnt WCW. Um, Don't let them have Michael Cole and make sure that he embarrasses Michael Cole. And not by embarrasses him, him by talking shit, but just, like, on a weekly basis, you know Jim Ross is going to announce better matches and always have, oh, and have that yeah. connection. 
because kids in general, people my age and your age, grew up hearing Jim Ross announce matches. We we heard him and we right. heard him announce Taker versus HBK one and two. <laughs> so, yep, that alone. Even going back and watching heard, that first Okada Chris, Chris, Omega, we heard match, him announce. We heard him announce May Young giving birth to a baby while Mark Henry looked over. We've heard him announce everything. Like, it's JR, you know? And I think for everything that you're going to lack with that language barrier, Jim Ross is the person that will sell the fuck out of it for you. Yeah. And you shouldn't give WWE the satisfaction of having him come in for um, one match on NXT. Because that, to me, it makes Jim Ross not look as important, fucking way more important than that. Honestly, he should be announcing to me, every to me, it makes him look prestigious. Um, but I, I can see where you're coming from, too. If he wants to do the English thing, that kind of sucks because JR, at this point, I love that he's going to be, uh, you know, broadcasting for the UK stuff because that's really intense uh, wrestling that he loves. And this New Japan stuff, obviously, because the same thing. So, it, it you know, it's... It's nice how that works out, but I do agree with you. Like like I'm saying, he's a creative force. I would try to grab him and be like, how about you stay here and help us do this? You know, the last part of JR's career, he helps create a viable threat to WWE. Kind of like an FU a little bit to like, so you didn't think I was that, uh, you know, needed, right? Okay, here you go. That's it. I mean, how many times has the guy been fired by WWE? Doesn't he want to stick it to him just a little bit? I mean, he did it when he went to, from WCW WWF. He helped stick it to WCW in all ways possible. Even as a talent scout, he stuck it to him. I mean, he's the one who recruited Stone Cold. He's the one who recorded, recruited Mick Foley. Like, the guy is a great wrestling mind, but wrestling has changed. So, as far as, like, yeah. booking and stuff, I'm fine with him not being there. I think New Japan has their fingers oh, yeah. on the pole how matches should go. But I do think he's someone that you shouldn't give WWE access to. But you know, like, I think that he could be helped with the American, you know, with television over here, with that type of concept, with, like, kind of, like, catering, like, this is what they like over here. I think that, obviously, there's American people that, you know, work for New Japan, too. But I'm just saying, Jim Ross, it's not so much the booking. It, it's his, it's him, his knowledge of, like, what can be a viable product over here on television compared to how he used to work with WWE, obviously. Um, who knows? Uh, I'll let you wrap up any other thoughts. We've uh, actually talk, talked about this for 30 minutes, but it was a good conversation, so hell yeah. But uh, any last thoughts about this, Chris? Uh, the biggest thing is me just hyping June uh, June 30th, which is coming up next weekend. There's a two-hour special. They're showing the Dominion Special Edition. That's going to be most of the main events wrapped into one night. So this is what we talked about last week with the NATO uh, Tanahashi match and the Kenny Omega Okada Part 2 match. Make sure you check it out. It's a two-hour special. Uh, that's on Access TV. And then live July 1st, first night of the G1 at 8 o'clock. And I believe that day leading up, they're showing a New Japan marathon. So there's a ton of New Japan coming up. Your way. If you're unfamiliar with New Japan and what we're talking about, this might be a mean dang get together and get drunk day on July first. <laughs> I would say so, man. I would definitely it. say so. Uh, but yeah, everybody check it out. And then uh, July seventh is, is the uh, G one special in USA night two, which isn't going to be live. 
Um, and I, I think that's probably smart because they want to see how it goes, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. And then also, if you are a Wrestling Observer subscriber, uh, Wrestling Observer Live last week had Jim Ross on, and he talked about how they're going to be trying to get more content out to access so the shows are more up-to-date leading into the pay-per-view so that you know the storyline. So they are pushing that. So I do feel like they're moving in the you. direction of, of being a threat. So it, it's it's definitely happening, but we'll see how fastly how quickly it happens. I should think fastly is not a fucking word, but yeah. Hey Chris, it's a word to me, and I agree with you. Uh, so it's real to me, Morgan. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting drunk and watching that with you. And uh, telling you, man, Jr. over there, he's just uh, gonna go. Oh, you know how you should do that? You should just throw a little bit of that in there, Oklahoma, and he just walks away. And that's what he's gonna do, man. All right, next thing that we're going to talk about and geek out a little, little bit. Um, five superstars that need a push uh, from NXT to the main stage and five that need to go back down for probably their own good. We're not doing the champions because, honestly, NXT, at, at this point, if you don't realize, it's kind of like a rite of passage. <laughs> like, once you get the championship belt, that means that you're going to be there for another six months, and then you're going to the main stage. You graduated. Good job. You're going to be one of the top guys. Uh, so, Bobby Roode, obviously, is going in a certain direction. Um, so is Asuka, so on, so on. So I have five guys that I think should go up. I'm going to then pass to Chris, and then we'll do um, our guys that we think that from the, the main show could probably, in, in not a bad way, use to go back down and get their character worked on a little bit more. Uh, maybe try some things with that audience and pump them up a little bit, get them more of a following, uh, which is what NXT did. You know, there's plenty of guys that kind of went up a little bit too early. All right. So I, 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 this is in no order. And some of these guys, honestly, are two of them are on um, the cruiserweight. They're in the cruiserweight division. I kind of, to be at the same thing, uh, maybe I cheated and I shouldn't have done that, but I just thought about it and that's what I did. So sorry about that, Chris. Um, but yeah. So starting at five, Cedric Alexander, four, Eric Young, three, Austin Aries, two, Cassius Ono, and number one, based more off his packaging than anything else, Aleister Black. Um, Cedric Alexander, I think, is a a phenomenal wrestler. Um, I think his in-ring stuff is great. I think he's someone that could really have great matches with AJ Styles, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, Finn Balor. I don't think that he has to be... I hate to say it, but limited to the uh, cruiserweight division, especially if they're not even having him with the belt, because Neville's awesome. Uh, Eric Young is an amazing heel. He's been in the business for a long time. He's weird. Uh, I think Sanity's awesome. I think they should all go together, but I think it's about time that he goes, you know, up to the main stage. Same thing with Austin Aries, my number three. Austin Aries is a badass wrestler. Heel, babyface, it doesn't matter. He can do it. And I think that he should be to that other level. Cassie Sono, one of the the fastest moving big guys. Like, it's just weird how he can move in a ring. I really like his style. I think they should stop dressing him like he's on Space Jam, but that's okay. And then Aleister Black, man, he's like a taller version of like a Finn Balor, but even more mysterious and scary. He's got like an Undertaker, you know, kind of demeanor to him with his tattoos and stuff like that but, like, placed on, like, great Muda's body. Like, and he's just now this guy that's known for coming in there. He's got, like, a one-hit move, very much like a, a super kick, if you will, 
and that's it. And it's done very beautifully. The way that they do the entrance is awesome. I think that he's going to have a huge push once he gets to the main stage. So what were your top five, Chris? We're talking about sending up, right? Yes, sending up and getting them ready. My top five, Eric Young, Ember Moon, Roderick Strong, uh, Johnny Gargano, and Montez Ford. Now, Montez Ford, I'm going to say, hasn't done a lot on NXT TV, but he has a great look, and I know his past work. So he is everything that they want Apollo Crews to actually be. So that's why I put him there. When you said uh, cha- when you said no champions, I had to take out the authors of pain because I think they're just ready. Them and their manager, all three, I was going to send up. Um, Eric Young, I've just seen so many great Eric Young matches. Um, I loved him in TNA. He can adapt to anything. I've seen him wrestle a match as, as fucking the great Muda, for God's sake. So I feel like that whatever situation you put that guy in, mid-card, maybe even some funny stuff against The Miz would be amazing. Um, God, now, uh, Johnny Gargano, I think he is the strongest performer right now on NXT in general. Uh, to me, week in, week out, as far as the NXT TV shows, so that's why I put him there. So those are my five. Those are those are a great five. I mean, all those guys, all of them deserve it. Um, all right, uh, let's do our top five. Need to go back down. Number five, I want to say that I almost put Sami Zayn and Luke Harper in this, but I did not. I thought they were high enough where it's like I don't think they need to be put down. Who knows? Five, Eric Rowan. Four, Curtis Axel. Three, American Alpha. Uh, This one singles match from that team makes me know they have no idea what the fuck they're doing with them. Two, Bo Dallas. Number one, Ty Dillinger. Ten, I don't think it's working out too well. Uh, Eric Rowan's beastly. He looks scary. His presence is scary. The whole gimmick is great. But he's a big guy that needs to work with some guys that are good, that are big too, that can push him around a little bit. Um, Killian Dane comes to mind. You know, uh, some, some people that are actually athletic a little bit more so than he is, that can give him some pointers. Curtis Axel is a fucking son of Mr. Perfect. He's, he's actually a pretty damn good in-ring wrestler. He just is boring and has no personality. That can be applied back if you go down and you have a chance to actually talk and work on it, you know, live on TV. Uh, so that American Alpha, all all together, that's just something that they need to work on. I just don't think they know what the hell they're doing with them. Maybe repackage them. Bo Dallas is a, is a badass, fierce-looking wrestler. Uh, I think they could do something with him. I mean, he looked like friggin' Rhino when they had him, uh, you know, go against Finn Balor. And I just feel like they just don't understand his potential. Tyler Dillinger, I'm kind of like Chris, where I don't really care that much about the whole ten gimmick, but it's over with people. But he needs to be, I think, more efficient of a wrestler, and he needs to get, I guess, more of a following and maybe get that title before he should come back, I think. Uh, Chris, what, what do you got? Well, uh, first and foremost, I have Apollo Creed. Uh, I feel like that he's never really found his niche. He's never really created a gimmick. He's kind of just smiley guy. I smile, I'm big, and I can do a standing moonsault. He's not a bad wrestler. He worked a really good program with Baron Corbin when he was in NXT. I just think they pulled him off too soon. So he was my first. Um, the next two is going to be Big Cass and Enzo Amore. 
I feel like that they would be good gatekeepers for the tag team division on NXT. I feel like Enzo Amore, you could even have them float both ways. So I'm going to go ahead and say, just because I send them down doesn't necessarily mean that I think that they're not good enough to be on the main roster or over, over enough to be on the main roster. I'm also thinking about it from the NXT standpoint, so I'm not just cannibalizing it. So by sending them down, I feel like that they could be gatekeepers for a tag team, uh, for the tag team titles. And you could move people up like Authors of Pain or, or whatever you wanted to do from there. Um, the other one is Fandango. And not because I don't like Breeze Dango, because I feel like that if Fandango went back down and lost the Fandango monarchy and built himself up as an NXT champion with the correct name, like, I, I, like I've said a gazillion times, the guy has the look of a fucking champion. He's a great worker. Um, he would probably be my next. So that's four in total. And then the next one um, is just someone that I think that you could put down to enhance talent, which is R-Truth, and give him a heel run um, as R-Truth. And it's not because I don't find R-Truth entertaining. It's because he was so damn great in, um, in NXT. And originally, the people I was going to bring up, I, like I said, I had champions on there. So I would have brought up Bobby Roode, and then possibly you could have had Bobby Roode versus R-Truth with R-Truth winning the title and possibly being a heel-ass heel um, during that time period. So that was my idea in my head as far as storyline goes. But I think R-Truth is another guy that could be a gatekeeper um, with a title because he can have good matches if you give him more than five minutes in the ring. And I feel like uh, if they let him be a heel and, and do more of the Ron Killing stuff he was doing in TNA, I think he would be a great name as far as a veteran to be there my thing is like I don't understand why they're so scared to have veterans be there um, another person I had is Paige on here to be completely honest so all, all those are, are people that I think that could be sent down and, and while they're not bad and maybe not even deserving of being sent down as far as talent goes it's just one of those things where I think it could be you know completely they could either be used as gatekeepers or ways to get other younger talent over because of their name, as well as get people to watch in, uh, NXT more. So that that was my thought. Wow. Well, I think that we had some great ideas. I think that, I don't know, uh, like I said, sometimes they're a little bit right, and sometimes, uh, like now, some of them need to go, like, Especially, like, if we're going champions, I mean, you would definitely agree Bobby Roode should be on the main roster by now. Um, who knows? Uh, I guess we'll go to the next topic, our last topic, before we do some reviews. Um, all right, Chris, I'm going to pass this to you first because I'm curious of what you're going to say. Who, and when I say this, uh, you know, either out of the roster or someone who? that's not who? in the WWE, who, who, who? Who can honestly become the next John Cena in WWE? I'm not looking for gimmicks. You know what I'm looking for, like the next figurehead. And is he even there in WWE in the first place? God, man. John Cena is just such a fucking legend. Um, we, need, we need another head on, um, on uh, Mount Olympus, basically. We need someone to lead WWE, you know? If, and this is a huge if, they give Kevin Owens an anti-establishment gimmick 
similar to Till Steen Kill in Ring of Honor, and let him go on a Stone Cold type tear where he's burying establishment people like 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 Triple H or Shane McMahon or Stephanie McMahon on a weekly basis, and they're actually selling like stooges like Vince McMahon would do. Yes, Vince McMahon would get one over on Stone Cold every once in a while, but for the most part, it was Stone Cold embarrassing him. If they did something like <laughs> that, Kevin Owens could be that guy. But they're not going to do that. So the guy that I'm probably going to put there who has the biggest crowd reaction, and if they continue to give him promos like he had on Monday Night Raw, I still believe to this day that it could be Roman Reigns because I feel like if they give him a full heel run, the fans that hate him, who just love heels, who just like to boo to boo, will eventually turn the corner on him, much like they did The Rock originally. And I've said that before. Um, I think if, if Roman Reigns continues to get better, if he could incorporate some Undertaker stuff just to get un- under people's skin, and then eventually you have him turn the corner on someone that's more hated than him or someone that can get heat, I feel like that he's the closest you're going to get. Now, that being said, John Cena is one of the greatest of all time, so that's some huge fucking shoes to fill. Um, and he moves the, the meter every time he's on TV. When he's away from TV, the ratings drop. When he comes back, the ratings pop. So whether or not people like John Cena or not, that's just that's just the that's how the fuck it is. Um, do I think he's like the greatest wrestler of all time? No. I mean, Stone Cold, The Rock, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, all guys that were just as over, um, and probably better overall as far as on the microphone. Maybe not necessarily in the ring, because to me, John Cena stepped up his game a hell of a lot, especially with those matches with AJ Styles. And I don't want to hear everyone come at me afterwards and be like, well, no, it's because it was AJ Styles, because John Cena also had great matches with CM Punk. And it's not because it was CM Punk, because I don't think CM Punk is the best guy I've ever seen in the ring. So I'm going to go ahead and put people on notice that, you know, CM Punk's okay, but he's not, like, fucking... He's not Harley Race, all right? I'm just saying, calm down. <laughs> um, but all that being said, yeah, John, John Cena's got big-ass shoes to fill, and uh, I think he could do it with Kevin Owens. It would take a lot, and it would take a big storyline to do it, but I think he's the one with the attitude and the willpower to actually get there. Reigns is the guy that you would have to book him heel, and then you would have to have a compelling storyline to make people get behind him. Um, as far as, like, the reaction goes, Roman Reigns is the guy. Like, with no, like, no question, he's the guy that gets the biggest reaction, whether it be good or bad. There's the most crowd noise when his music hits. So I don't, for what that's worth. The problem with WWE is they book everything in such a great manner where there's not really any good guys. Not Like, we're not going to really talk about Raw hugely. But, okay, for instance, Miz rebuilt this clock for his wife that his wife got it because his wife was pissed off because this clock got broken. And he took the time painstakingly to get this clock rebuilt and remade because she said he was timeless. And then fucking Dean Ambrose comes out and wrecks it, and he's supposed to be the good guy, which only makes you feel sympathetic for Mitch, which doesn't fucking work. I don't know. Like that will always hinder them. Huh. All right. I can agree with you to an extent on that, for sure. I mean, 
doing something non-heelish. But when you're kind of like an in-betweener, like Dean Ambrose, what I mean by in-betweener is that someone that would do heel shit even though he's a babyface. Maybe but that's, that's everyone on the fucking show. Though. That's everyone on the fucking shows, though. <sighs> yeah, that's because of the influence of everyone. the attitude there, basically. The Rock and Stone Cold, man. So who uh, you- everyone... But the Rock was but, the Rock was the good guy in comparison to Vince McMahon. See, everybody forgets the Vince yeah, McMahon but he was, was still doing some heel ass shit, shit, you know. Yeah, to the complete utter shitbag named Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon was way more of a heel, so it worked. You yeah. can't do that with every scenario. Yeah, like Vince I get McMahon what you're is saying. probably one of the greatest heels of all time. That doesn't get credit because he's Absolutely. a non-wrestler. He is one of the greatest heels of all time. No, I definitely agree with you. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go back to the question because I, I don't want to use Kevin Owens. That was a great idea, and I think you're right about the Roman Reigns thing to an extent. I just don't know is even if he does get the most reaction, since it's not positive if that's the best way to go with your guy, um, you know, as a branding mechanism, especially some guy that wears just all black, comes in with SWAT team bullshit, um, and doesn't even have his own theme but, music. I'm really starting I mean, to like Roman Reigns a lot. Isn't that all things that you could change, though? Absolutely. Do you get what not. I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get what okay, you're saying, cool. but they're not. So, yeah, and I hope they do. I hope Roman gets a really big push. I love his arrogance that he was doing. Even, like, the kind of, like, being cocky about the fact that he beat The Undertaker. That's great. I, I, I really do like that. And, like I said, I agree with the Kevin thing. Um, there are some other people that I, I think – I think AJ's pretty fucking over. I wish his mic game was better. Um, uh, he's one of the best in-ring performers, but he is pretty over. He's got a lot of swag. People like him a lot. I don't know if they would jump on him all of a sudden, but I'm just saying him or if they were to get Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega's got it all, basically. He's one of the best in-ring performers. His promos are ridiculous. He might have to adapt a little bit to American audience, you know, so he's not so anime-like, I guess if that makes sense. But... He's, he's a really good mic worker, I think. Uh, very intense uh, type of concept to him. So there's another person. But who knows, maybe you'd want him as a heel. Because we're, we're, pro- you know, we're trying to get like a baby face to represent, just because that's what they usually do. Um, but I don't even know if there is a John Cena yet. I don't think that there has been a guy that's come around. And maybe it will take a little bit longer. Because I feel like there's been plenty of guys that could have been. Daniel Bryan could have fucking been. He could have been the next guy to... Lee WWE, no problem, I think. That's my personal opinion. And I wasn't even there for those years. I've watched them, you know, from the network and shit like that. But just based off of what I've read and what I've saw, it was kind of an injustice. He was so fucking over the yes chance. I mean, come on, man. I mean, he was babyface through and through, and he was a good heel if they wanted to fucking do that. So to me, that was a waste. Um, but, yeah, those, those are definitely two people. Or The Miz. The Miz has got some amazing mic work, but the only thing that sucks about that is that you're turning one of your biggest heels to a baby face, and honestly, it's probably just going to come off like The Rock. But maybe that would work. Maybe that that would have some value to it. I don't know. Uh, do you see any of them being decent, uh, you know, people that could do it? Or do you think, Chris, that maybe the WWE hasn't experienced that next person yet? Well, they did, and they let him go. I mean, his name was CM Punk, and they fucked him. Yeah. Like, CM Punk was that guy. He was the guy that could have been John Cena. 
He's the guy that could have been the face of that company. Not necessarily the face they wanted, but they didn't necessarily want Stone Cold as the face of that company either. I think that the days of, like, Hulk Hogan being your guy or John Cena being your guy are are long since past. John Cena was an anomaly because people saw Thugonomics, him wrestling against greats like Kurt Angle and winning matches repeatedly, and, and it worked and they did a slow build on him, and it took forever, and it did work, and he did get over, and he's a good wrestler. Um, but I don't know that he was ever as popular as CM Punk. And that's kind of the weird thing when you say, who can be your next John Cena? You know, and turning Miz face, the thing about turning Miz face is the reason people cheer him now is because he's a bad guy. As soon as he turns to a good guy, you get this weird thing where it's like, well, we actually always hated him. We just enjoyed cheering him when he was a bad guy. Yeah. Bad thing happening to him. Because to a lot of people, he's still he's that a, asshole. He has a lot of charisma in mic skills, man. He's, he's very natural on the mic compared he does, to a lot but the of the first roster. Time we ever talk, but, but to be fair, the very first time we talked about the Miz, your, your answer to me was, I fucking hate that guy. And I was like, because he's doing his job. And you're like, oh, yep. shit, you're right. But there are people that just generally hate him. So, yeah. it's, he, it's, I mean, just being part of the real world has kind of just jaded him for a lot of people. Um, Daniel Bryan was a great example. He, I mean, he was super fucking over. They ruined him. They had him lose 12 seconds to Sheamus. He should have fucking won that match at WrestleMania. And then he could have been, like, the biggest thing ever. Um, and then they dicked him around for two years. And now they're doing the same thing to Sami Zayn, thinking the crowd's going to get behind Sami like they got behind Daniel Bryan. And that's not the same. They're not the same fucking thing. They're not. Just because he's nope. the underdog doesn't mean it's going to work that way. And that's, I mean, that's how they're trying to do it. But it's like Daniel Bryan's an anomaly. He's a guy that shouldn't have got over, but the fans got behind him because he had a good chant gimmick that they could get behind, kind of like Stone Cold's what? It wasn't because, like, what? the fans act exactly. Um, and what? nothing, not taking anything away from Daniel Bryan, the American Dragon's awesome. He's had some amazing Ring Honor matches. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, man, I don't know. It's, they're in a weird spot right now. Kenny Omega is the obvious uh, guy that is just – the charisma bleeds through kind of like Nakamura. But the thing about Nakamura yeah. is – you, He's limited with his language, almost, man. Yeah, and he almost needs a manager. If he had a good manager, if he had a Bobby Heenan or someone that could get him there, um, maybe. But that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, or what I was talking about earlier with uh, New Japan is language gap. Yep. So I, I mean, don't know. It's it's a tough question to answer because that the the answer that my my top answer was Kevin Owens, but it all depends on how they book him and how they make that transition to which he switches. God, it's I not love... possible. It could be done, but I feel like that could just... garner you the hardcore fans and the average fans if you shit on him enough and if you put him against Triple H and you, you give him that, and you put him against Roman Reigns, and you give him wins. I feel like he's the actual guy you could build up. The only reason I didn't say AJ Styles is because I feel like AJ Styles is, is too old at this point. He's 40. He's, yeah. he's actually older than John Cena. So, 
Wow. In retrospect, that's crazy. I didn't even think about that. John Cena, I think I may I may be wrong. They may be the same well, age, but I think John Cena is thirty eight or thirty nine. And the run, if you put that, if you put that monarchy of like this is your next John Cena on a guy that's forty, when John Cena ran the company for like twelve years, yeah, you kind of you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Um, same with Kevin Owens. I mean, Kevin Owens is older too, but I think he would get a longer longer well, run. Chris, than question. Question for you with uh, Kevin Owens, because I thought about this. Obviously, with Vince, it's usually an issue, and he looks a hell of a lot leaner than he ever has. I, I definitely think he's been cutting weight. Uh, but it seems like his body might be the issue of why he wouldn't get that tremendous push. Uh, is that far-fetched for me to think? No, not not from a WWE standpoint. I think if Triple H was booking the gig, that like that title would constantly be on Kevin Owens. I think that's why he has a title right now. Um, I mean, like Dusty Rhodes never had the best body. It doesn't mean that he didn't put acids in seats. I, I think they forget about the fact, like, you don't have to be the perfect, like, fucking Terry Funk. Like, he was in decent shape, but he wasn't, like, fucking Magnum TA. You know what I'm saying? And he carried the goddamn title for how long? Him and Dory? Yeah. I mean, none of that stuff matters. They were both over. They drew everywhere they were. Like, fans don't care about that nowadays. They need to look at America and realize that, like, the majority of America is fucking obese. So to see, like, the slightly obese, overweight guy whoop the shit out of someone that's, like, a stacked monster like Roman Reigns is not necessarily a bad thing. It's like David versus Goliath. It's the same reason people got behind fucking Daniel Bryan. He's the little guy. You wanted to see him win. You wanted to see the underdog have a shot. Damn, you but preach, yeah. man. Jesus. Uh, well, that's because they think that you got to book a fucking monster to get over, which is not the case. And God forbid, I mean, John Cena, he puts in that fucking work in the gym. I go to the gym every day. I'm never going to look like fucking John Cena. I give you that right now. So I'm not saying it doesn't take effort to get there, but your average American doesn't look like that. That's why it's way easier to get behind, like, a Daniel Bryan or CM Punk or Kevin Owens, the people that fans actually like and care about. Wrestling has changed, man. <laughs> it's I agree fucking with you, way different. Too. That's that old school wrestling mentality. I'll never get. We need bodybuilders. Uh, but Jim Cornette would say the same shit. Like he doesn't look like a champion. Uh, that was a horrible Cornette. He don't but look like matter. he can whoop anybody. Like, he don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Doesn't matter, baby, if you with the body. We're going to create Broadway out there. All right. Um, I mean, who like, knows? To be fair, Terry Funk and Manny Fernandez made fun of fucking Dusty Rhodes for not being able to whoop anybody for years, but he still drew more money than they did. Doesn't matter, baby. I just draw more money than you, so. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Matter. Doesn't matter, baby. Chris, I'm not saying that everyone should come out looking like fucking Blue Meanie and shit and have wrestling matches. I'm just saying, like, but you don't think they should get lariated by uh, angry JBL on the back of the head, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just, my entire thing is, like, if the guy's a good wrestler and he can go 30, 30 minutes in the ring and you can rely on him to have a main event and he's over with the fan, his body should make no goddamn difference, especially if he's over with the fan. I think Kevin Owens is over with the fan, both as a heel and if he wanted to be as a face. 
but the damn good heel. Though, you're right. There's a, a stig- there's, a, there's a stigma there, and there always will be, and that's sad. Uh, until until Triple H takes over, because I think Vince is still like the old school mindset. I, I think all of them think like that. They're the ones that it's like they're moving too much. All right, guys, go take your naps. It's time for the medication and the naps. Come on, Corny, let's go. Oh man, don't kill me, please. Like you're gonna kill Vince Russo. But uh, you know, who knows if if John Cena is somewhere there in a new form, if you will, as an icon that can lead the WWE. Uh, maybe he'll always be there. So, you know, well, what are you going to do with well, John Cena? I mean, I okay. think way longer than I thought. They're going to... All right, sorry, I just wanted <laughs> to do that. Um, John Cena's not going to go anywhere until they kill him off. So. Hey, I can still get a paycheck, right? Maybe the actual answer is you have Bray Wyatt kill John Cena. <laughs> Bray Wyatt's been on Bray the Wyatt mic. Kind of weird, and they bury him for some fucking reason. Bray Wyatt is yeah. good on the mic until you watch like an old school Raven promo, and then you can like hear like you understand what the fuck Raven is talking about, and you have no idea what Bray Wyatt's talking about. You're just like he's saying a lot hey, of man. shit. Now. <laughs> Well, like, hey, I mean, it's man, Raven's gimmick. It's, it's, it's Raven's gimmick, but it's not relevant to the match. Ninety percent of the time. I thought it. I thought it's um the hell's that damn early nineties. The guy that was in the uh, skyscrapers with Sid at one time, and then with the Undertaker, and both of them went and did something. God, it was like an early nineties gimmick. Oh, oh man. I know exactly who you're talking about, and I can't think of his and name. Spivy, uh, what the fuck was the gimmick? I don't know. Apparently, he based it off of that, but uh, random knowledge I couldn't fucking back up. That's my life. Well, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, that guy I, didn't get over, and neither will Bray Wyatt. So there you go. Ah, oh, come on. I think Bray's got it, man. They're just they they just don't know what the fuck. They're. Maybe he needs to go back to NXT. Maybe he needs to go to New <laughs> Japan. I, maybe they would treat him better, you know, or ring, uh, not ring of honor. New Japan. Yeah, there you go. They they like well, he would have. He would have the same uh, same language barrier gap that yeah. they're having over here. But like, but then you Chris, take away looks... the promos. If you take away the promos from Bray Wyatt and he focused on his uh, in-ring work, became like a Stan fucking Hansen, then he could come back to WWE and be amazing. That's a good point. He is he not a bad wrestler. And do the work. Yeah. But, and not only that, but he looks like Chitulu when he goes upside down because of his weird beard and dreadlocks. Um, which, is, which is fine. It's it's fine and good. I mean, like, I don't know. Booking, like, Bray Wyatt should have been booked as an absolute monster. He should have never had a match for the first, like, six months. And the first match he had, he should have beat the dude in, like, three minutes. Yeah, I don't know and what then the they hell they're doing. They should have they should have built a monster, much like they did with Kane. Like he could have done run ins, he could have done a ton of stuff. Now they're just doing like as soon as they had him at WrestleMania with fucking cockroaches on the ring and shit, I was like, This is the end of this guy's like heavyweight career. Like he'll never be he'll never be considered a top star. People will always remember this shit. Every time they show that match, it's gonna be remembered and it's gonna bury him. And that's kinda how I feel where Bray Wyatt is. I like Bray Wyatt. I like his gimmick. I think it could be better. I think it could be very mm-hmm. more Jake the Snake, 
more direct on what the match is and why he wants to defeat his opponent. Um, yeah, I dude. think he could do heel ass shit in the ring. If he would quit smiling so fucking much and be much more direct and methodical like Jake was, you know, Jake even said he was basically like uh, in some type of some type of video, you know, that he would if if Bray wanted, he would you know help him figure out his thing because he thinks that he has an amazing gimmick. But I I don't know. I maybe there it is there. I don't think once again WWE booking really knows what the fuck to do with him. He's just he's just evil, scary threat that can get beaten by everyone on the fucking roster. But why, is he, why is he scary? so godlike? Is, is he as scary as Samoa Joe, though? No. That's, that's what problem. I'm saying. Is when, you have, when you have monsters like Brock Lesnar and Samoa Joe, if you're going to make this, like, god eat, or eater of worlds character, he needs to be fucking, like, that dangerous in the ring. And he needs to do it in manners that are completely crazy. Like, he should be gouging eyes and taking turnbuckle pads off and fucking um, smashing elbows in the dude's faces when the ref's not looking. He should be doing so many other things to get him that kind of heat where people believe that he is that scary. Because right now, no one believes he's that scary. If Samoa Joe had the the fucking promos that Bray Wyatt did and he was the killer that he is in the ring and wrestled the way he did, then that would be fucking scary. I'll give so you it's this one of those things where it's Reigns, a complete man. disconnect. You know, what it, and I completely agree. It is a, bit, a complete disconnect. I, I'll give you this about Roman Reigns. Uh, when I started watching wrestling again, you know, Bray Wyatt was presented to me by a lot of people to be the next Undertaker. I mean, besides being the little bit of darkness and shit like that, I think that Roman Reigns in concept is as the big dog or – you know, more, I guess more like your uh, Undertaker, what the hell did they call him in the 2000s? Dead, Dead Man Big Inc. Evil. The evil. Yeah, Dead Man Inc., Big Evil, that type of concept. Like, I think that Roman's got that down. And he is obviously in the back, very presented well. Same type of quality as Undertaker, maybe not so much as gimmick. There has not been a lot that, that uh, Bray Wyatt even reminded me of Undertaker, besides the fact that they're both, like, scary and that one fight when Bray went to go to his sister Abigail and Undertaker came up at the same time. Like they're both horror movie characters, but completely different horror movies. Not very similar in, in concept. Bray, like we said, has more qualities with Raven, Jake Snake Roberts, Dan Spivy, uh, Psycho Sid, if you will, maybe. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know, man. Maybe Bray Wyatt will figure it out, you know. I will say this about Bray Wyatt. That guy from Oasis that played Charlie Manson totally stole Bray Wyatt's gimmick, and he should fucking sue him. <laughs> and if you haven't seen that, you should check that out. Because <laughs> he just does Bray Wyatt's accent and everything. Ooh, I'll check it, that out later on. It's fucking awful. But, hey, to me, Bray Wyatt is Freddy Krueger and, and, and Jason versus Freddy. Once Freddy loses all his powers, that's like how scary Bray Wyatt is to me. So he's like, I'm going against absolute <laughs> monsters. Turns out I can't do shit. I got snaps on my fingers. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean, that's how they book him. But, but Chris, he teleports. I mean, they book him like, 
they book him like he's fucking Superman he going into a fight though. against Godzilla. And Godzilla's actually made a kryptonite. Like, that's how they book him. <laughs> Which is... It's fucking awful, dude. Yeah. And I know that's partly WWE and that's partly him. I mean, there's more stuff that he could do in the ring. I mean, he could even look at someone like Goldust and learn how to be a dirty-ass heel, like 90s Goldust. And maybe they don't want him yeah. to do that stuff. They think that, it, like, scratching someone's eyes or uh, raking someone's back does it well? Maybe he wants to do that. Maybe he doesn't want to be a fucking, you know, a, a fall to every other fucking big dude on Raw SmackDown. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like I said, he's supposed to be a god, and he gets beaten by mortals every goddamn week. It's frustrating. So it's not necessarily. It's not like I said. I like Bray Wyatt. I like his promos. I think his promos could be more direct to whatever the fuck he's talking about. I think that he could take a little bit of that from Raven and um, Raven and Jake the Snake, and if he ran with it, it would be better. If he could, because of his delivery is so good, but he needs to wrap it back into whatever the fuck he's trying to do, and not get way too far out there into the astral plane. And then if his ring work was, and I'm not saying he has bad ring work because the guy is a great ass worker. If it was a little darker and a little meaner, and maybe he even did an Abdullah the Butcher thing and fork someone in the, the eye or something. Like, you know, don't, like, I know there's no blood, but, like, you gimmick punch someone in the eye with something sharp, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to poke their eye out. It just means their eye is fucked up for the rest of the match. Like, stuff like that will help get him to where he needs to be. But he also needs wins. And he needs wins against big people. So... Until they do that, he will always be a mid-carter to me. He'll never reach the Undertaker level because they're not going to give him that kind of wins. He's never going to even reach the Kane level because they're not going to give him that kind of wins. So he's just in this weird in-between. And he won a title, and I feel like they gave him that because he was he's a good wrestler and probably a really fucking nice guy. But I don't think that's where he actually wants to be in life. And maybe, like, he oh. can take this shit, even if he takes his shit to TNA or something, or, um... Oh, come on. Or New, or New Japan, I feel like that gimmick would be something to talk about. I feel like he could make that into, like, a broken hearty type thing. Yeah. Where the internet... Maybe that exactly needs, needs to happen. Maybe a rivalry with Matt Hardy as Broken Matt Hardy, like both of them want to fucking do. You know, obviously there's a lot of different things that go in that equation, but maybe maybe something. Um, I don't know. One thing that we talk about, and you know what, fuck this. We're going to keep on talking. We're going to get to a review, guys, for Money in the Bank. But I think me and Chris are on a roll right now, so we might as well just keep on having conversation. I want to throw something at Chris that I was thinking of. Um, we talk about with WWE. They have a lot of talent, um, so much that they don't really have room for two shows. Do you think uh, – I'm going to start this off, actually, and I'll give you the details of what I'm thinking. Could they use a third show for their roster? Now, I'm not talking about, like – I'm talking about get rid of the cruiserweight, have that a part of this, and try to build another TV or another show with, uh, you know – uh, defined roster with their own heavyweight title 
and maybe just take the tag division and share them between the shows in the women's division so everything fills out. Everyone has a chance to do their thing. Maybe it would be too much, but we, we know that there's way too many heavyweight guys. There's not enough mid guys because no one wants to go down and up. So we have the fucking guy with the U.S. title and the you know championship match for the, the world heavyweight title. What if there was a third show, like on Thursdays? I don't think the night thing really, really is that big. And Thursday used to be a wrestling day anyways. I don't think Friday's a good idea. Um, but they kind of did this with e- ECW. I wasn't there for that. I know it didn't work. But get rid of the Cruiserweight show. Maybe even include as the mid-card belt the U.K. title. Um, what I'm getting at, and fuck it, I'll just go over the, uh, the idea itself, is Thursday Night Nitro. Now... Nostalgia, just for that concept. You get your own group of individuals for the show, you know, uh, good guys to represent it. Maybe a Bray Wyatt can be more leading over here. You bring back the old prestigious actual title that has a lot of history to it. Who cares if there's three titles and stuff like that? That doesn't really matter. That's bullshit. Maybe you could really isolate these guys. Uh, The set would be very much old school. Shit, even give Eric Bischoff the commissioner job for it. Uh, you know, I'm not saying try to do storylines like WCW or anything like that, but if you have that look, you start off your show with the Cruiserweight division, the UK title is then one of your main titles. They still do shows across the pond that's going on with JR, but then you only have one show. 205's not doing dead shit. Maybe it wouldn't work as a ratings for the last two shows, but maybe a third show for the talent would be better. Or maybe this could be an exclusive just for... Uh, the network, and because of the name itself, gets viewers based on that, more people to buy it. Is this all crazy talk, Chris, or do you think this is somewhat, uh, not, not not necessarily a possibility, but like, not a bad idea? Do you hate this idea, basically? I am so I far the about. other way on brand splits in general. We just, I mean, last week we just talked about how they should combine titles and make this roster one and have great matchups. And then you're like, no, we should have another show. Um, Do I think it's a bad idea? No. Do I think it hurts NXT a lot? Yes. Uh, What I think is going to do third show, you do NXT and you send people down. And that's how you build your champion. Maybe you're like the NXT holder, the, the, the guy that the – anyone that wins the NXT championship can challenge the Intercontinental champion one time. And maybe that's how you build it. It's like – so then you can send people down like Dolph Ziggler for a one-off match or Nakamura for a one-off match, and you have him go against your NXT champion, right? So then you're building NXT as a show that you have to watch because, like, what superstar is going to show up? Because if he shows up and he beats this guy, he's going to win a title. Because what happens is, at the same time, you're getting over both people because you can either have your NXT star drop the NXT title And then if he wins the Intercontinental title, it vacates it. The NXT title is vacated. And then you put your top two contenders for NXT again up for the title, and then you build that up. And you build all your pay-per-views based on that. So my idea would be, like, you stick with Raw and SmackDown. You take Raw down to two hours. Take SmackDown to two hours. Or you combine 205 Live into Raw. 
that cruiserweight title something that's not a definition. Like, if I weigh 205 pounds, I don't have to just go for this. I can go for other shit. So you just eliminate 205 live altogether. And then you build the 205 stuff in NXT. If I was going to do three shows, this is what I would do. Um, so then NXT is my my other show that's on TV or whatever the fuck I wanted to do with it. But the way that I sell NXT is every month one person is allowed to challenge for the NXT title. And if they win it, they're guaranteed a title shot in the future. Now, the thing about guaranteeing a title shot in the future, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen right away. So you can build your feud. So if you have other shit lined up on Raw or SmackDown, you can build off of that. But what it does do is your NXT champion is almost a gatekeeper for both title belts in which someone from Raw or SmackDown has to beat him and, and win to get a title shot on one of these other brands. Or you could even do it where it's like, well, you have to beat this guy to be in the number one contendership on these brands, and then you can set up matches that way. And you could even cross-promotional those matches. So you could start bringing shit out of the draft where Sean and Steph get mad at each other because, like, Samoa Joe beat Bobby Roode, and now, like, she wants Samoa Joe to challenge for the WWE title instead of the Universal title so they can have those on one brand. So then you can start do you can start playing each of those brands against each other in a competitive manner. I don't know if any of this is making sense, but on paper it, it sounds is. good as fuck. So did you have what happened? Did you have it like, written down you before? Beat the NXT, if you beat the NXT champion, it's a non title match. He doesn't lose the title. And maybe he, you even hit, have him beat some of your top stars, and then people are like, oh, shit, Bobby Roode just beat Kevin Owens on NXT. I guess I need to watch that shit next week. And you start doing stuff like that, then you would draw interest. And even if you did it on the network, people are like, the fuck Bobby Roode versus Kevin Owens for, like, this number one contendership match? I need to check that shit out. That would be what I would do if I was going to incorporate a third show into my main roster. Because you're getting not only are you getting over your NXT talent, but you could possibly get over your other talent and build storylines off of it. So that that's what I would do. I think adding a third show when the when like an hour of Raw is so fucking terrible each week is a bad idea. Um, and that's mostly because of the brand split. I think it, without the brand split, mm-hmm. if you added a third show, it'd be fine. But with the brand split. And the fact that they still do main event and 205 Live and NXT, even if you took 205 Live out of the equation, you're stretching these wrestlers too far. The idea of the brand split is to keep wrestlers from suing, from being overworked, And in my opinion. Because now instead of getting two days off, they're getting three days off, um, which was always the idea of the brand split, is to keep wrestling, wrestlers from union, unionize, unionizing together and being like, fuck this shit. Well, they did so use it. Remember, it was Ken Shamrock, The Big Show, uh, Mankind. Who else was in the union? Mark Henry? Test? Was that all of them? I mean, it, it didn't work, though, because they just stopped booking them. Because that's how independent union work. But, but you get what I'm saying. I think I, you, you get into a weird... Get into a Look, weird world. what I do. Now, do I think they should do, if they did a one-night-off Monday Nitro pay-per-view, 
like bash at the beach or some shit, and they're like, we have a Legends Championship, and here's a four-way match, and we have DDP versus Booker T versus Stone Cold Steve Austin versus, like, one other legend from WWE, whoever it be. It could be Triple H or whatever. Like, three guys that could be cleared and work a match, and those guys have a 20-minute match, and then, like, you put a WCW guy over, and then you, like, do, like, a monthly show out of that or something. That could be really cool. But it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, isn't that just one of those, like, things that they should do as a tournament on the network? And then have people talk about how much they love WCW because they have so yeah, much out. that they can that like they they have so much they could do with the network that they just don't use because those tournaments are great like people love those tournaments like you could do a WCW tournament you could do an all ECW tournament if you really wanted to yeah um, even using new stars but if I was going to do a third show I would make it NXT and I would make it mean something where you have people coming down to challenge these top tier stars. And even sometimes it ends up in a three-way match. And maybe you have to win a match to be able to challenge them. But at least each week yeah. you have an open challenge of some sort, and you're getting the person that's on NXT over every once in a while. Like, he's not winning every match against the WWE star. You can even have run-ins and do your normal DQs and all your other bullshit to build up mid-card feuds. But I think that would be the way to handle it. But if I was looking, I would recommend that, and I'd probably shit all over it. But that's what I would go with. <laughs> so there's that. No, but I like your idea. I, I think, honestly, if, 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 if I were to have the wheel, if you will, if I could do everything, um, I would trim Raw down to two hours. I would get rid of 205 Live. I would still obviously incorporate the Cruiserweight into this other third show. Um, if I could have it where it's just, there's no brand split. Yeah. But I mean, the reason I'm saying like, if it's going to be like this, if you have a third show, you have so many people that are getting wasted with doing absolutely nothing. They might as well have a championship, you know, to go for on Monday Nitro with the original, I don't know what belt you call that. The WCW world heavyweight champion. I don't, I don't remember. Is it, is it technically the NWA champion? Uh, I don't. I don't really remember. I don't have the uh, knowledge in front of me provided on the computer. But and yeah, 205 would would merge with that. The UK title would be their mid card title. Everything would be a two hour show. NXT would stay as it is as the fourth show technically, but more of like the Ring of Honor, ECW early guys that are going to be uh, in the mix next. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't even know if it would work. You might have to make it exclusive, or like you said, like do like a pay-per-view and see how many people talk about, dude, they did Monday Nitro for the fucking pay-per-view or some, Or you have Halloween Havoc in October, and then you have right before it that week you do an old-school Monday Nitro. I mean, they used to do that with Saturday Night uh, Wrestling. They, they've done that before and a lot of other tribute stuff. So I like to see some WCW. I know it stings a little bit on McMahon's vagina, but he can fucking deal with it, right? Hey, uh, Chris, are you ready to go over some money in the bank? God, I'm not really one. Yeah, man. Shit. We got to get into it. Uh, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> me, me, me. Glorious. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so the kickoff match uh, was the Hypros against the Colognes. 
Hyperos defeated the Colognes. Zack Ryder pinned Primo after a Hype Rider. We don't really have to talk about that, Chris. I think you missed the match. It wasn't really anything. We got the Hyperos back. They're back. They're, they're going to get a title shot. Or actually, no. From what I remember from SmackDown, they have to beat a team in order to get a title shot. I don't really know how the fuck that works, but whatever. But they're back, bro. All right. The actual first match. Here's <laughs> right, a question. I'd like to say... Here's What's a question, up? though, that's going to lead into SmackDown. Um, since the Hype Bros beat a team, like, they beat them, so they're going to get a title shot if they beat another team. Does that mean the New Day has to go against the Hype Bros? Because the New Day got screwed out of a title shot, so technically they should be getting another title shot at the next pay-per-view. Or does that mean we're going to get, like, a weird fucking tornado tag that's going to absolutely suck? What, what's your thoughts? I feel like they're pro- they're going to put him against Brazongo, and Brazongo's going to beat him, and then uh, Zack Ryder's going to punch Mojo Raleigh in the in the butthole. That's what I think. Is that that was kind of my thought. That was my thought as well, actually. So that's kind of funny. I think they're just trying to get Brazongo versus New Day as hard as they can, as fast as they can. So we'll see what happens. Well, they don't have the elite to go against them, so you might as well do fucking Brazongo. I mean, it's entertaining, right? Do-do-do. All right, the Money in the Bank, the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match won by a man. Oh, God. This match had potential. Uh, there was quite a few cool spots. It all came down to Carmella defeated Charlotte, Natalia, Tamina, and Becky Lynch. Uh, Lynch was climbing the ladder. She was about to win the match, but Ellsworth interfered and knocked her off by pushing the ladder on the opposite side over. Ellsworth then climbed the ladder, unhooked the briefcase, and dropped it to Carmella. He better have gotten a blowjob for that, guys. I'm just saying, the guy is so damn pussy-whipped and he's not even getting any. I'm just saying. Um, well, Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan sent out tweets saying that they'd address the situation at SmackDown, and they were disgusted by the matter. Um, also, there was a couple cool spots. Uh, one that comes in, but Tamina looked fierce throughout the whole entire thing. Uh, not what you would call it, Nia Jax-ish, but like there's a couple times where it's like, God, she's a bigger lady and she can definitely put a lot of force against other people. It looked painful, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but she looked good throughout the match. Charlotte did a cool move where she did like a corkscrew and uh, a flippy thingy. I don't know what the fuck it's called. I mean, horrible calling matches. Um, but the ending was, I think, just complete shit. It's setting up for other stuff, and we know that now. Chris, what did you think about the first ever women's money in the bank ladder match won by a dude? This was a Botchamania highlight reel waiting to happen. Can't wait to see Botchamania put out something on money in the bank because it's going to be like top tier. Um, There was a lot of really bad spots. I mean, they were doing what they could do. Uh, That Charlotte spot, I feel like did she – was going to do that corkscrew and then realized who was going to catch her and was like, fuck this, I'm not doing it, <laughs> and went cross-body like halfway through or something. Um, there was another spot where you had Becky Lynch and Natalia fighting for the ladder for like seven minutes, it seemed like, only for her to shove her off, which was kind of a weird spot. Um, and then the finish was absolutely fucking horrible. And then, like, the refs never actually gave a finish. I don't even – I'm not even sure if the bell rung. You just 
had like him saying, "Hey, this is what's happening." Yeah, they like they, she totally won, and then you just get random tweets from like Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan, who are too fucking busy to even show up at their own fucking pay-per-view. Granted, it's on Father's Day, but Bob Orton showed up, so like they have no excuse. Ric Flair showed up, for Christ's sake. So <laughs> those two fuckers should have been there. <laughs> In all honesty, I thought that was super stupid. Like, it made them look like really dumb GMs. And then it also, later in the show, it made Carmella look stupid as fuck because they were like, we're going to address this on SmackDown. She should have cashed that shit in immediately and won the title. So, for me, it was bad booking all around. The match was, like, okay at best. Probably not even close to the best women's match I've seen. Um, And considering some of the talent in there, it should have been pretty good because Tamina can go and so can Charlotte and Becky, but... That was, it was awful. I hated everything about it. So you didn't like anything, Chris? About that match, right, well, no, that was... I did not like. I did not like anything about that match. I thought it was. I thought it was a terrible match. I thought it was like, as much as they've built the women's division and as hard of work as Charlotte's put in and Sasha's put in and Becky's put in and all of these girls have put in all this fucking work and done so much to have that be your first money in the bank ladder match. It was almost a fucking embarrassment, especially because they had a guy basically win it. So I think it was a fucking disgrace to women's wrestling. And if I was Charlotte, I wouldn't work for like the next month. I'd pull a hammy or something because fuck that shit. Because it was, it was terrible, and the finish was terrible, and the follow-up to the, the, the follow-up could have been better. If the follow-up was better and she actually cashed in that night, I would have been okay with it, I guess, probably more accepting. But the fact that they just, like, like surpassed all of that and was like, oh, well, she's, like, too dumb to cash in, and also, like, you guys should watch SmackDown. They, they can all go fuck themselves. It was terrible booking, and, and it was a botch-filled match. <laughs> Cena was the best-looking fucking person in that match, in all honesty. So, yeah, no, I didn't fucking like it, Dane. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with them. Just Chris is a little more honest than I am. Um... But yeah, that was that was a shit show. Let's go to the next match. That ending was also tragic. SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. The New Day defeated the Usos, aka the Uggos. Um, Usos intentionally lost the match by countout, which means that they're still the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Chris, this was this match back and forth was great. That that whole entire trust fall thing that Kofi did took some bumps in this match. Actually, the Usos took some bumps, too. Biggie, or not uh, Biggie, but those guys, they're, they're, uh, they're good. And it was a good match. And then it just ended in shit by those guys piecing out. I guess it was heelish, but they've been talking so much like shit like they're badasses. It kind of makes them look like pussies. I don't know if that's what they're going for. It just seemed like a really dumb way to end it. I understand they're extending the feud, but just uh, not a good way to end it at all. Do you agree? It was a pretty damn good match with a shit ending. Um, I think that that, whoever came up with that finish did both those teams a disservice, and both of those teams knew that they were going to be fucked by this match, 
So they put on a damn good match in the ring. There was one slight spot that scared the shit out of me where uh, he called Jimmy and he almost dropped. I think it was Jimmy. It may have been Jay. It's hard. They're both twins. Yeah. Uh, so he, he caught – he was going to catch him for the big ending, and he almost dropped him on his head, but he caught him and then, pit, like, dead lifted his ass back up. So props on Big E for being so goddamn strong. Dude probably weighs, like, 230, 240. Deadlifts him back up, hit the big ending, and then you had the you had a, a, a near-spot finish there, and then you also had another – almost another finish on the midnight, uh, midnight Train, I think is what they call it, which is a cool, like, tag team finisher. So props on them for that. Um, and then that was the end of the match because they just walked the fuck out, which makes sense for a heel tag team, but it's the champion's advantage in WWE to me is just like, it's just something they do to give the writers an out when they can't think of a creative finish. And I think every fan feels that way. They're like, well, this is what they're going to do because they don't have any, like another finish in mind. Like, instead of, like, my idea last week was get Xavier Woods disqualified. Like, Irish whip Xavier Woods in front of, like, Jimmy. Like, Jay Irish whips Xavier Woods in, in, into Jimmy. The ref doesn't see the Irish whip, and he just thinks that Xavier Woods is the one that picks out Jimmy Uso. And that have your that be your DQ finish, if you're going to do it. Don't do it with them just acting like bitches and walking out. Like, do it with them outsmarting the New Day. So to me it was it was just weak ass booking at the end of that match, but the match the match itself in the ring was the second best match on the entire fucking card. Like all those guys are really good wrestlers. I'm not gonna crap on them. I I still like the Usos a lot. I thought the Usos cut, cut really good promos going into this match, especially against the New Day. Um, they could probably deal with all penitentiary stuff, in all honesty. But everything else I thought was pretty good about the match, with the exception of the finish. But that's we're going to go down the line with these finishes. So, Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I'm looking at these finishes. All right, so the, the pre-show, that that was a, a normal result for a match. The women's big controversy, something completely that's never happened, happened, obviously got reversed. SmackDown Tag Champ, you know, count out. Women's Championship, Naomi basically, uh, you know, almost got screwed from that whole entire thing. Every single one of these, they just end up horrible. The championship match, ugh, besides the last one, of course. All right, let's go to the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Naomi defeated Lana. Lana didn't do bad. Um, I think it's funny that in every match, it seems like you have to work on the knee. That's also a uh, a theme that goes with these fucking matches, I think. Um, Like, that's a thing. Like, you know, just keep on going after the knee and stuff like that, which is fine. But she she did good, but uh, Lana appeared to have the match won with her sit-out spinebuster. Uh, Carmella and James Elwood came to the ringside and teased uh, money in the bank cash-in. Naomi won the match by submission with her head scissors crucifix choke. Carmella did not cash in the belt. Like you said, very dumb that they announced that Daniel Bryan and Shane had their word to say about it. Make Carmella look completely stupid that she didn't cash it in. Um, match wasn't bad, but it was Naomi carrying Lana. She's she's not that bad though for for this being her first match, um, especially on a pay per view. So, what, what did you think about the match and the ending? It reminded me a lot of a Kelly Kelly match. 
So Lana's offense was hair drag to the mat, work the leg, and then it just set up that odd finish. So the match itself was okay. Um, I don't want to crap on either of them, especially not Lana, because it was really her first match. Why they would give her her first match at a pay-per-view is kind of baffling. But um, Overall, I thought it was good. I thought, it, I, you know, it made Naomi look strong. She wasn't shook by anything that was going on. There was a really awkward spot on the cash-in in which Lana just stood in the ring, knowing that she had a title shot. Why would she... Like, if they wanted to do that where where Carmella didn't cash in, Naomi should have cut her off and then came into the ring and got schoolboyed or something silly for the pin. And then you could have set up a, a separate feud or whatever you wanted to do with that. But, like, once again, that the finish itself was kind of trash. And, uh, it, it I mean, something I would consider, like, a two-and-a-half-star match got brought down to, like, a two because the finish was so fucking terrible. It just did not make sense, people. All right. The next match. What do we got? We have the SmackDown. Oh, no, no, no. This is actually when Maria Kanellis returned to WWE alongside her husband, Mike Bennett, now known as Mike Kanellis. They promised to educate SmackDown on the power of love for some fucking reason. Um, All right. Don't really know. Don't really care. Maria was a ditzy redhead chick. That was her character. Uh, that came off kind of slutty uh, in her gimmick uh, back in the mid-2000s when I just stopped watching wrestling. So don't know who the fuck Mike Bennett is. I guess they're going for the Miz and Maurice of this show. That's what I'm assuming. And I hope the power of love doesn't mean it's going to be really annoying to watch. Maybe they'll get it over. Chris, you have more information, I think, about this type of shit. I fucking hated it. No, it was terrible. You're right. You're 100% right. I mean, I like Mike Bennett and I like Maria Kanellis, but it was a, like they put it in there as filler. That's exactly what they did. And that pisses me off. So. Does, does Mike Bennett seem like someone that's worthy to get pushed up before fucking Bobby Roode? Why? Well, or Eric Young or, right. or Austin I mean, Aries. I think, I think the idea is for him to be like for them to be take the Miz and Lana's spot. But essentially that means Lana seemed like she got pushed off TV. Or not Lana, uh Maurice. Maurice. Maurice yeah. seems like she got pushed off TV. They're gonna give Miz this little gimmick crew, which is terrible for Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel because he, as good as the Miz is, he's not gonna get those two dudes over. Um, so I fucking hated the entire thing, to be completely honest. Um, except for that theme song. That theme song was a banger. So maybe they'll change my opinion on it. I, I, Mike Bennett's never gonna be like a. Uh, they're never gonna push him as a heavyweight. If they're not gonna push the Miz as a heavyweight guy, he's definitely a mid-card guy. And right now their mid-card is Kevin Owens, so good luck with that. Like, this dude is going to fall off the map quick as fuck unless their promos are super funny like uh, Brisdango, which I just don't see happening. It, can she wrestle? In all honesty, no. If you were like, is Maria better than Alicia Fox? I would say no. Hmm. 
don't even know. She has some, like, wrestling background. But, I mean, like, she's not as good as, like, Alicia Fox. <laughs> Alicia Fox. Maybe that puts that in perspective, I guess. I don't know. I mean, she's a cute girl, and she's good on the mic, and she's more of an entertainer than a wrestler to begin with. Mike Bennett's an okay wrestler, and he was in TNA, and and they were also kind of doing a similar gimmick in TNA. Um, they were oh, just I, being really, really mean to one girl for a while on TNA from last, like, when I watched it, which this is like four months back, their whole entire gimmick is that they had, like, this bitch that was Marie I can't, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you a bitch. I can't remember your gimmick name, though. Uh, there was Maria Canellis' like, um, kind of person that she beat on and bullied, and that was, like, their entire kind of gimmick. Kind like Data so, brought to Charlotte Flair? Same kind of thing, and that was their whole thing. Yeah. Um, now she's, like, I don't know. It seems like it's Maurice and Miz, but it's not ever going to be as good. And Maurice and Miz got over because the Miz is fucking great, and Maurice actually shined in those John Cena where they were making fun of John Cena, and then they're just taking Maurice away from him, which I think was kind of a resurgence in Miz's career. Not to say Miz is bad, but I I think having her there did help with the outside interference and and the way they could book matches. Um, So overall, I thought it was it was terrible. I do like that theme song, and, and we'll see where it goes. Maybe I'll change my mind, but right now I'm like, if this means Maurice is off TV, then fuck these two. Yeah, they better not be trying to do the big uh, switcheroo thing. That would be really stupid. I don't know. I don't know anything about them. Uh, we'll find out. Um, they're going to educate us on the power of love. I know a lot of people are mad, though, that Maria was presented as the first lady of wrestling. You don't do that. The only first lady of wrestling is Miss Elizabeth. So uh, a lot of people were tweeting, including, I think, wrestlers that were, like, up in arms about it. I'm like, calm down, guys. You know, go take some You know what would make them feel better? If Charlotte came what? out, if it, you know what would make them feel better? If Charlotte came out, dumped her ass in the center of the ring, gave her your figure four, and then grabbed the mic and was like, you may be the first lady, but I'm the fucking queen, and then just dropped the mic and walked out. Uh, yeah, dude, drop the mic. I like it. Uh, God, we're about to go over this WWE Championship match, and I'm just like, we got two more matches to get, and then we get the the big one. All right, Jinder Mahal defeated Randy Orton. Weird. Uh, St. Louis uh, area legends were seated around the ringside, and Ric Flair. Um, you know, you had Bob Orton, you had uh, Baron von Raschke. Was was that? Yeah, Baron von Raschke. Uh, Greg Gagne, is he a legend? Um, Sergeant Slaughter, and they let us know that Holly's race was supposed to be there. The guy's been in the hospital for like a week and a half. Like, obviously he wasn't going to be there, but, you know, whatever. Bob Orton's there, Rick Flair's there. Um, the Singh brothers, It was the match wasn't that bad. I mean, it was a lot of stiff hits. Mahal's getting better in the ring. Nothing special or anything like that, but a decent Randy Orton match with Jinder Mahal being his opponent that he's going to help out. Uh, but Singh Brothers do some heel stuff, which I didn't have a problem with. They get ejected. But they turn around, or like all like talking to each other, like little evil uh, imps and shit, and then they decide to go fuck with the legends. Uh, I thought that Bob Orton should have cowered at all, but I, don't, I know that he's like, you know, late 60s, but... Rick Flair got right up and he had his fists in the air. I thought that was pretty cool. 
just dumb. Randy Orton repeats and beats the shit out of these two guys while Jinder Mahal, I guess, is just calling his mom and saying hello or some shit in the ring, um, selling, I guess, his injury. Uh, he actually does an RKO on the ring and then tosses the guy over the announce table again, just like when he did it like it was a bad bump and made that face on the last pay-per-view. Uh, then he takes the other one and puts him through the table with an RKO. Uh, he goes and uh, then walks into, uh, you know, uh, Mahal and gets the um, whatever the hell. I'm trying to remember that stupid finisher. Basically the Cobra Clutch slip. Yeah, the Cobra Clutch slam. He calls it the, the Coloss and pins him. Jinder Mahal retains championship. Randy Orton loses in St. Louis. Weird. Chris, how? what do you think about this match? I mean, Jinder can call it whatever the fuck he wants, but it's a Cobra Clutch slam, and it's a shitty finisher. <laughs> Outside of that, the St. Louis Legends with a ragtag crew. <laughs> um, man, we got to see. Uh, like, uh, dude, is it Van Rosh? Hitting the claw. There were some AWA legends there, and I was like, that's more. Yeah. So, yeah, Baron he had a lot of, uh, he had a lot of, uh, he had a lot of, um, energy. Like, he could get in the ring right now, and I'd fucking watch him. Yeah, he'd go in and hook the claw on both the Singh brothers, and that would have been awesome. Um, Ric Flair didn't have a cast on his hand, so apparently he didn't punch any fans, uh, on the way there after. <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers <laughs> So he wasn't on tilt, oh so that God. was good. Um, this should have just been a count out DQ. Randy Orton was outside of the ring so long beating the shit out of the Steam Brothers. Yeah, what that happened to that? <laughs> that should have been the actual finish. <laughs> so the entire match to me, from the point that they got ejected, like, they should have just, like, they got ejected, and then he got dropped by Jinder Mahal, and that was the end of the match. Instead, they were like, he's going to murder these dudes. And I was like, oh, so he's going to get a count-out DQ. Then, like, ten minutes later, he rolled in the ring and got cover clutch slammed. And I was like, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> that seems about right. Man. So that All was right, my thought on more. the match is there was a legend out there. His name was Ric Flair. <laughs> and then oh. there were some other dudes. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> but that's all right. All right. So there was that guy that teamed bad. with. There was that guy that teamed with Roddy Piper that one time at WrestleMania. He was there. That seemed pretty okay. So will you quit shitting on, on Cowboy Bob, Bob Orton, who had the longest broken arm in the history of wrestling? That's, <laughs> I love how all of them have these amazing intros, like championships listed. And for Bob Orton's, they listed all of Randy's accomplishments. <laughs> He's the father a, of this specimen. They had they had two legit legends from the AWA, and then Bob Orton, whose like gimmick was like I had a cast for eight years one time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. We we only have a little bit of time, and we need to be able to save some time for the last one. All right, so let's 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 right. speed through Brazongo defeat the Ascension. The Ascension were the team that jumped Tyler Breeze. This is so stupid. I hope that that they kind of correct this. And that the Ascension just, like, got told by American Alpha to go to the ring. Probably not going to happen, but whatever. Fandango pinned Victor with a small package. Going to lead to something else later on. Blah, 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 blah. Money in the Bank ladder match. All right, this is the mail's turn. 
Corbin defeated Shinsuke Nakamura, AJ Styles, Dolph Ziggler, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens. All right, before the match even started, Corbin attacked Nakamura, taking him out uh, for most of the match. And the match was ridiculous. Uh, spots galore. Um, my God. Just the, all these guys put their body on the line, and, including Nakamura when he came out too later on, which was awesome. You know, I would be annoyed by the fact that he got taken out, but it really brought him up, you know, as a character, if you will, uh, later on when he made his return. Uh, I don't have a problem with Baron, Baron Corbin winning this. Uh, I think that that's good for him. I think that he's got some great moves. He's getting better on the mic. He's a big force, and he's he's getting better in the ring too. So if they want to have this guy be able to get the uh, belt off someone, I think it could be interesting. Um, I like that he's already fucked with uh, Jinder Mahal, uh, followed on the SmackDown. So that unfortunately won't be going over, but you guys watch it. SmackDown and Raw were actually pretty good this week. But this match is ridiculous. I'm trying to remember stuff. Sami Zayn took Dolph Ziggler and did a powerbomb, rolling over Dolph Ziggler and smashing him into the mat. Uh, almost got his leg caught up. That was pretty dangerous. Lots of la- ladder set up. There was a ladder set up where Baron Corbin chokeslammed the shit out of AJ Styles through it. Later on, AJ Styles would take KO and take Kevin Owens and give him the double A through the damn thing. Uh, just Kevin Owens actually destroyed two ladders in the course of one match. Uh, he had a couple other spots. One from Sammy where it was a uh, pretty bad suplex, or I, I don't know what's that called, uh, reverse Frankenstein or whatever. No, it's not that. But it was on the apron. KO and, and, and AJ. AJ hanging from the fucking rope because Dolph Ziggler took the ladder underneath him and was just hanging there and fell, just dead lift, dead, uh, dead weight, if you will, down into the ring. Nakabara comes out uh, when Baron's getting going towards the uh, thing. Comes in. King Shasha's everyone, beats the shit out of him, and then it's down to him and AJ Styles. They had a great, like, you know, the two of them are looking at each other. I think they're going to be going against each other at WrestleMania. I'm just calling it now. Um, going back and forth, and then they're climbing up the ladder, and Baron Corman kind of screws it up for everyone. Everyone's knocked the hell out. Dolph was great, but then after that, that Sunset Flip powerbomb, he was done. Uh, KO was done after getting the, the uh, whatchamacallit, uh, AJ's move. My God, it was just, it was one hell of a fucking match. A lot of fun. For being such large numbered matches, this one and the Extreme Rules were both fucking amazing, Chris. Uh, a lot of fun, very coordinated. I was impressed. How did you like the, the, the main event? I thought the main event was uh, pretty, probably one of the best main event or like Money in the Bank matches I had seen in a long time. I'm not gonna say it's the best because that's a high standard, but it's, it's one of the best I had seen in a lot, long time. The, the the things that AJ Styles and Kevin Owens put their body through was absolutely incredible. Um, and it's little things that might not even be things that noticed that Kevin Owens did because he didn't have, like, a huge fall-off-the-ladder spot like Sami Zayn and uh, Dolph Ziggler. But he was taking just so many, like, like crazy-ass bumps the entire match. The one through the uh, the back body drop through the ladder by Sami Zayn – or not a back body drop, but just a, a, a flat-back bump directly onto the ladder from Sami Zayn. 
which it, the way he sold it was, looks like he he absolutely got wrecked. The big AA onto the ladder, um, AJ Styles taking the choke slam onto the ladder, and then doing that crazy spot where he's climbing the actual rope to the Money in the Bank before he took or for, before he, he couldn't get the briefcase and he fell off and took that huge bump. I like the uh, Shinsuke, um, almost like a legit comeback type deal where he gave almost everyone a uh, Kinshasa, as they say. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, it was a good match. It was very fun to watch. The ending uh, left something to be desired just because me and you had been, I will, me specifically had been predicting that Baron Corbin was going to win this thing the entire time. I think they did a good job of, like, swerving it a bit where he, you know, took Shinsuke out. I do think Nakamura was gone from the match a little too much, and it, it hurt him a bit because he didn't have any of the big spots. And he is a little older, so maybe he didn't want to do huge ladder spots, and that's probably that's probably fine. But he did the one bump, and then, and then um, I think, you know, this helps Baron Corbin, him having the money in the bank uh, – briefcase we'll see where they go from there but overall i mean i thought it was a pretty good match i, I thought like 3.75 four stars right there I, th- I thought it was a good match mostly because of aj styles specifically followed by kevin owens and then Sami Zayn. i thought those two were the best three in the match and they kind of carried everybody else through it dolph ziggler was fine but he was kind of just there um, Nakamura once again he was not there the entire match till the very end and it was mostly just him hitting his finisher and setting people up for his finisher um, it was Kevin Owens did such a good job of selling that people thought he was legitimately injured after the match so huge props to Kevin Owens and uh, overall man I you know I'm interested to see what they do with Baron Corbin I think that I think they might might have drew those cards too fast. I think he could have put the, the uh, money in the bank on AJ Styles and had him challenge gender for the title fairly, much like John Cena's done um, in the past, as opposed to uh, giving it to Baron Corbin. Because right now you have a heel champion, and putting it on a heel with a heel champion, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, is he really going to cash it on gender? It, it becomes unbelievable. And the storylines coming out of this are kind of weird. So that, that's just how I felt about it, but the match itself, I thought, was pretty good. The finish, the finish was a finish, and it was fine. Yeah. If you were gonna, if you were gonna give Baron Corbin this, I, I thought he should have at least hit his finisher one time in this match. Like maybe uh, AJ is getting up, and then he hits like uh, the, what is it, the uh, end of world or end of days on Shinsuke as he's going to hit the Kenasha or whatever, and then he just picks up. AJ and dumps him over the ropes or something and goes for the title. I, I just think there was something they could have done more there to make Baron look a little stronger because he basically just tipped him and walked up to the ladder. So from that mm-hmm. standpoint, I wasn't huge on it. Yep, I think KO and uh, AJ are my two favorites over on SmackDown, honestly. Um, definitely favorite heel and babyface over on that network. Shinsuke, man, he's got he's got an uphill... Uh, climb, I think. I think he's still getting over, but he, they were kind of not too nice to him with his match with Dolph Ziggler at first until he started coming back. I, I could hear some boos. So I just hope that people that aren't aware with NXT and his past work in New Japan don't just give up on him because 
I, I think that they've dialed, I think that, I think they've dialed him back. I think they dialed him back even when it, maybe it's him. Maybe he's dialing back because of his age or whatever is going through his mind. But I think they've dialed him back. Like the only Shinsuke New Japan type match I've seen was him versus Sami Zayn. Everybody else he's had a match with yeah. has been an average WWE match with some Shinsuke spots. And if that's the Shinsuke they're going to get, he's not ever going to be as over as he was in New Japan. Well, honestly, hope that's not the case, but who knows? Uh, but, yeah, there was we, well, we had a pretty damn good Raw um, and SmackDown. Um, I think I, I really like the stuff between Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns. Braun Strowman is back. So Braun is going to go against Roman while Samoa goes and faces Brock Lesnar. Whoever wins those battles will face each other at SummerSlam, it sounds like. Uh, SmackDown was pretty good. Good follow-up. Women's division is actually not going to... uh, That's not the final verdict, basically. They're going to do this over next SmackDown, which will be cool to see, uh, hopefully, a whole hour dedicated to it so the women can have a fucking huge um, ladder match. And uh, am I I missing anything? Finn Balor is going to be feuding with uh, the Drifter. It's going to be interesting. Bray and Seth Rollins had some more. Seth Rollins got a really great promo. And I thought Delph Ziggler and Shusuke Nakamura had a pretty damn good match. Definitely better than the one they had in the prep review. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts, Christopher, before we say goodnight? Yeah, if they think that Elias Samson is going to help get Finn Balor over, I think they're completely fucking wrong. If they want to book it that way, they should have Elias Samson bury Finn Balor. If they're that done with Finn Balor, then Elias Samson should win that match. So that would be my big thing. The other thing is Braun! And I'm glad he's back. I hope he flips over all the ambulances and cars in the parking lot. Um, also, Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns did one hell of a job both on the mic and in the ring. SmackDown, I could have cared less about. There was a good match on it. The Nakamura match was, was pretty decent. That's how I felt about both of those shows. I thought Raw was better than the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, so I'll give Raw credit here. I yeah. normally don't. There's that. I can definitely. Oh, and Cass is, Cass is an asshole, apparently. Big Cass. Dude, honestly, I felt bad for Enzo. He listened to this podcast. He was like, he listened to our podcast. And he was like, they're right. Fuck Enzo Amore. And he kicked him right in his face. So good for Big Cass. I, hey, I just want to say Wrestling East Alliance has nothing to do with what happened to Enzo, okay? I felt bad for that guy afterwards. I'm wondering what the fuck's going to happen with them. Seriously, who knows? Who cares? Anyways. And um, he's going to be the main player for the big show. That's yeah. That's what that's building big towards, show. in my opinion. We lost the big show because of this stupid bullshit. He left. Um, I think, I think actually, though, before we uh, get out of here, Chris, I think that actually Finn Balor is helping him out. I, I feel like the Seth Rollins thing with Bray was supposed to be Finn and him, but they're saving that. And I feel like they're maybe doing him and um, uh, Samson, build up Samson as a heel, which is working pretty well. He takes him out, and then Samson goes after Dean Ambrose, and then Finn Balor goes for the Intercontinental title uh, from his and they the program, and then switch with Bray Wyatt. That's what I would assume. Who knows? Um, man, we got we got sixty seconds. You want to say anything else? Say goodbye to people, everyone. You know? I mean, I think they've absolutely ruined Finn Balor's push, and he's got a long uphill battle. But I like Finn Balor, and I hope he makes it. 
we'll see what the WWE does with him, though, especially as stacked as that main event card is on Raw. Very good point. Who knows? But uh, I'm glad all of you guys listened tonight. Uh, we always enjoy having you, and uh, we're here every Wednesday, from 8 o'clock until 10 o'clock, Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Geek Vibes live on Saturday from 8 until 10. Definitely check that out. And, uh, you know, just out of Geek Vibes Nation. You guys have a good night. Talk about a certain guy a couple times. Quiet tonight. on the set. Can Might we as well bring please him out a little have quiet on the Take set? Take a dive. Awesome! I came to the What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.